We'll continue where we stopped last Wednesday, but before that, let's look to the Lord. Father, this evening we come to you. We need you, Lord. We need you, Father. Every day, you're only even more aware how helpless and weak we are without you. How blinded we are unless you open our eyes. We are no different than the world if you are not there. It's you alone that makes the difference. This night, once again, we are gathered in your house, in your name, to meditate upon your word one more time this year. You know, you've always been faithful. Speak to us once again. Teach us, Spirit of God, teach us. Help us to lift up and exalt the word of God, Christ Jesus, once again in our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Samuel was saying that in his prayer we never went hungry from here, either on a Wednesday or a Sunday, but I don't know whether he went with indigestion. That's a different matter altogether because the meat was a little tough. Okay, but we will continue from where we stopped. We've been looking at the work last Wednesday, remember? The work of the Holy Spirit. The most misunderstood and neglected person of the Trinity. Yet God the Father, when we study scripture, has done nothing outside the Son, the eternal Word, and the Spirit. He has never done anything without the Son and the Spirit. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, we keep seeing the Holy Spirit actually on the move. Actually, the book of Acts should be called the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. People always think it has the Acts of the Apostles, but it is actually the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But remember always the importance of the Word to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never do anything outside the Word of God or what contradicts the Word of God. That's why we teach the Word of God because people get confused saying the Spirit told me, the Spirit moved me. But how do you know? Because there are many spirits. God says test the spirits. Okay, how do we know? It's by being very clear and uh, sure about the Word of God because the Holy Spirit will never do anything outside or contradict the Word of God. Even in the famous words which we know, which spoken to Zerubbabel in Zechariah 4 and verse 6, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The problem is, not the problem, is saying that we know this well, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But it begins with the proclamation that this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Proclaims. Because the Holy Spirit only comes once a word is been proclaimed. Because he doesn't work on his own outside the word of God. Then he comes to make that word come to pass. If you look at the advertising world especially, millions Millions are spent to send one message across. After a few months later, the message is forgotten. 
Do you remember any ads from past 2015 or even 2016? Do you know how much was spent on it? The message is forgotten. Yet God's word never changes from generation to generation. It endures and the Holy Spirit empowers it. In the heart of everyone who believes, it doesn't need advertisement. It endures forever. And it is not forgotten. In First Peter chapter 1 verse 24 and 25, scripture says, All flesh is as grass. And the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Everything of man withers and it is forgotten. But the word of God endures forever and ever. We invent all kinds of new ways, but God has only one way. That is the word anointed by the Holy Spirit. Remember always the word through the spirit. In First Corinthians, Paul will say in chapter 2, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but of the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. He has freely given us the word. And the word contains the deep things of God. But we will only understand it through the spirit. No other way. Not by might. That's the strength of the physical body. Not by power of the mind. You will say the pen is mightier than the sword. Okay? But not by might. Not even by strength. Mind. God says, but by my spirit. Every servant of God in the old or the new, when they fell... They fell because they leaned on their own strength and stopped depending upon the Spirit of God. It's not that they did not know the Word of God. They stopped depending on the Spirit of God. That's why the Bible keeps on reminding us, don't do it on your own. That's why I said the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood, underestimated person in the Holy Spirit. If God won't do anything from the beginning till the end without His Spirit, how can we who are born of the Spirit do anything without Him? In Psalm 33, verse 16 to 18, scripture again says, No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. He says, all this depending on what we call as strength in the world, God says, is useless. God's eye is upon man. God's eye is to see whose eye is on him so he can strengthen him with his spirit. And our perfect example always in the Bible, our perfect example always is Jesus. He's the perfect example. We will see in Luke chapter 1 and verse 25, um, sorry that's not the one, um, where we will see Jesus is born of the Holy Spirit, right? 35 actually, not 25, 35. The angel Gabriel will say, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the highest will overshadow you, therefore also the Holy One who is born to be will call the Son of God. Why is Jesus called the Son of God? Because he is conceived of the Holy Spirit. 
Why are we called the children of God? Because we are born again by the same spirit. Otherwise we won't be called sons and daughters of the living God. Remember, perfect example, Jesus, conceived of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 21, scripture says, when all the people were baptized, Jesus also baptized, and while he prayed, the heavens was open, and the next verse will say, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, now he is not just baptized, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and he's now led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You will see from the beginning of his life onwards, it's a continuous progress with the Holy Spirit. Born of the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. If the Holy Spirit leads you into a situation to be tested, you can be absolutely sure you will come out victorious. You will never be defeated because he is the one who leads you and he will give you victory. And how does that chapter conclude in 4.14? Scripture says Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. Victorious over the powers of darkness, over the devil and all the temptation. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tested and he comes under the power of the Holy Spirit with even more. Okay, So Jesus is the perfect example. Of what it is, the new covenant life. The book Galatians, the book of Galatians primarily uses four terms. In Galatians 5.16, scripture says, I say then, walk in the spirit. And then it says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now we, Lord, help me from the lust of the flesh, God says, walk in the spirit. There's no other way. It doesn't matter how much word we know. It is good. We need to know the word so we understand what the lust of the flesh is. But how do you overcome? Only by walking in the spirit. He says, you shall not then fulfill the lust of the flesh. In 5.18, scripture says, be led by the spirit. If you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Lord, how do I escape the law? God says only one way. Be led by the spirit. In 5.21, 20 year, God says, live in the spirit. Live. He says, live in the spirit. And the result of being led by the spirit, walking in the spirit, and living in the spirit is what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says. You will start manifesting the fruit of the spirit. Everything in the Bible actually is connected And Jesus' life is characterized by this. He walked in the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He lived by the Spirit. And he manifested the fruit of the Spirit. That's the life that is being offered to us. Even when his ministry officially begins, he begins with this proclamation. In Luke chapter 4, 4 verse 18. He begins by saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me and then he gives his declaration of what is the kind of ministry he will do. 
Now we all have vision statements about our ministries. This is what our ministry is going to do. We have mission statements. He also had a mission statement. He says this is, I will preach the gospel to the poor. I will heal the brokenhearted. I will proclaim liberty to the captives, recover your sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the accepted year of the Lord. This is his mission statement, but he begins with by saying that I cannot do any one of this unless the Spirit of God is upon me and he has anointed me. And he's telling us the same thing. You can have the most wonderful mission statement in life for ministry, for church. But if the Spirit of God is not upon you and has not anointed you, it will just remain as a statement. Nothing will come to pass. Without my Spirit, God says, you can do nothing. That is where the dependence comes. That is where we need to know this third person of the Trinity. What God speaks and teaches about him. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, is the sum total of Jesus' ministry. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The sum total. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good. So how does a person come to this? Okay, we lean, learn theory. Theory has to be learned before you can go to practical, right? Remember what God told Israel through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 30 and verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. Okay, first thing God says is turn back. The first thing the Holy Spirit will tell us if you hear from is turn back. Turn back to God. Rest in Him. In His power, in His strength, in His love, in His mercy. Turn back. The word we use is repent. Repent means turn back. Turn back. That's the first thing the Holy Spirit says. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. He says, not in a great deal of works or activity, but the quietness and the confidence which the Holy Spirit gives you, that is your strength. Because you know, scripture says, Jesus knew God was with him. He went around doing all this, but at the last, what did it say? God was with him. That is the quietness, the confidence. The work of the Holy Spirit in every individual's life usually falls under these segments. First thing God says, turn back. In John chapter 16 and verse 8, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is, when you hear the word, when you read the word, the first thing the Holy Spirit does in your heart is that, wherever you are worldly, wherever you are worldly, he will convict you of that. Because friendship with the world is enmity with God. The first thing he will say, remember who you are, who you belong to. The first thing, work of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world in me that you have sinned. You have gone on to enemy territory. I'm not talking about going into the physical world, but being worldly. Joseph could be in the physical Egypt and be an absolute true Hebrew. Set apart for God. Daniel could be in the Bohemian Babylonian court and be an absolutely set apart son of Judah. It's not about going. 
It's whether you are contaminated by worldliness. That's the first thing the Holy Spirit convicts. He convicts us of sin, but doesn't lead us, leave us there. And he points to the righteousness that is available in Christ Jesus. He says, repent. Come back to Christ. Confess. Cleanse. Come back. That's the first thing it is. Because that is available only in Christ and Christ alone. But if we ignore message number one and two, then he has to point to judgment is coming. It will come one day. You take this route. You will sow. Keep on sowing in this. One day you will reap. There's no escaping the laws God has set. So he reminds us of judgment. Once we yield to this, that is the primary work of the Holy Spirit, which is continuous. It is one time when we come to Christ and continuous through life. This is continuous conviction of the world. Pointing to righteousness, if not warning of judgment. Every message in every church should contain these two. There should be conviction. There should be the righteousness of Jesus that is available. And the judgment that will come if you keep moving away. Then only he moves to the next level, the work of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 verse 25 and 26 Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. This is the second work of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't do the second work of the Holy Spirit if I do not agree to the first work. It's the truth. That's why people have stayed and lived, grown and died in churches but learned nothing. Because the Holy Spirit cannot teach them because they did not respond to the first primary work. He says he will teach. Holy Spirit is the teacher. When Jesus was with them in the flesh, please understand, he taught his disciples under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. After he rose again from the dead, his first ministry to the disciples, his first ministry to the disciples, the day he rose again, that day evening, is found in John 20 and verse 22. His first ministry to his disciples is, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's the first ministry. Subsequent to that, the second ministry he does is in Luke chapter 24, 45. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Think about this. Didn't he teach them for three and a half years? Did they understand scriptures? No, they didn't. Nobody understood scriptures. Because the Holy Spirit hadn't been given to them for their eyes to be opened to understand scripture. They didn't understand. Neither will we understand. This will be an academic exercise and not a spiritual revelation unless the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. So he rose again, first day evening, resurrection Sunday evening, he breathes upon them, says, receive the Holy Spirit, and then he opens their understanding that they could understand the scriptures. After that, we know, 50 days later, they are all in the upper room. They are baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 12, they are baptized in the Holy Spirit and there is an incredible paradigm shift. These 120 are standing over there and they are all speaking 
in diverse tongues and the people are all amazed and perplexing to one another. Whatever could this mean? What you are seeing is degrees of the Holy Spirit. It's increasing. From breathing to eyes opening to an infilling and now when this takes place there is an incredibly dramatic interpretation of the scripture by the ex-fisherman. In verse 14, Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This fisherman starts interpreting scripture, going on to Joel, going on to the Psalms, going on to Psalm 110. He used the scripture of the Old Testament to interpret about Jesus. Where did this come from? Because of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit on anybody, it doesn't matter who it is. When the anointing comes and you know your scripture, but you have understanding now and you are able to interpret scripture. That's why 1 John 2 and 27 says, but the anointing which you have received from him, if it abides in you, you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Okay, How do you know this anointing is true? The anointing is true. The teaching under that anointing will see that you abide in Christ. Not in the world. You abide in Him. That's how you know. So it's the anointing that teaches. The more we yield to the Holy Spirit, more He leads us into the truth. In John chapter 16, verse 12 and 13, Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you. Jesus is telling his disciples many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you about things to come. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all things. But Jesus is saying something strange over there. Jesus said, I have much to tell you. But he said, I cannot tell you. Why? Because you do not have the strength to bear it. If he had told them before his death all the revelations which they will subsequently know through the Holy Spirit, they would have broken under the weight. This is true even now. When the Holy Spirit comes, he not only leads us into the truth, but he also gives us the strength to bear the truth. Because truth is difficult to bear. It is not easy. He will guide us into all truth, little by little. Our problem, honestly, as a church, our problem is we have learned much truth, but we have received less strength. So people crumble under the weight of truth because they do not have the strength to bear the truth. Look at this man. Okay, look at this man. Very early, very early in his saved life, within three days, Acts chapter 9 and verse 17. Ananias, when his way, entered the house, laying on his, his hand on his head, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately Saul knows this is true. How will this man know that Jesus met me on the road? 
unless the spirit has given him discernment he says receive your sight and be filled with the holy spirit is he filled with the holy spirit what is his future in acts 9 15 the lord said to him go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before gentiles kings and the children of israel for i will show him how many things he must suffer for my name say can god show us can god show us if you were to tell peter go back to nigeria going back to nigeria in 2 years time and 3 years you will be in prison you will be beaten up for my name sake but i will be with you he will never go back to nigeria why you need to realize the two sets of people when paul is saying bye to the church they say don't go he says i need to go and the prophet rises up agabus rises up takes a rope and ties his hands and says this is the way if you go you will be handed over in jerusalem because they don't have the strength to bear the truth they are speaking which is true and paul says i already know and i'm going you don't have the strength to bear the truth about me i have already received the strength the truth what i have to go through that's why jesus is telling i have got many things to tell you but i cannot tell you now but when the holy spirit comes when he comes you will be able to bear it he will give you strength often when we hear the truth of god's word preached we are not able to bear it because there is no corresponding power inside therefore we draw away remember when jesus was teaching about you have to drink my blood and eat my body otherwise you will have no part this is too hard a teaching who can bear it and even the disciples started walking away because it was too much for them to bear he was not telling this to the crowds he was telling to the disciples but they could not bear it so the major issue we need to realize over this is do we understand do we understand how do we see life as do we see the word as truth and the holy spirit is given to us to bear the truth that's our major issue unless we submit surrender to the truth we will draw away i'll tell you why the major issue that happened in heaven and on earth the fall in heaven and earth even isaiah 14 and verse 12 to 15 how you are fallen from heaven o lucifer son of the morning how you are cut down to the ground you who weaken the nations for you have said in your heart i will ascend into heaven i will exalt my throne above the stars of god i will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest side of the north I will ascend above the heights of the clouds I will be like the most high. Okay. This is the major issue. When Satan came to the garden, that's the same thing he told Eve. If you eat, you will be like God. What is he saying? I want to be like you. When I am like God, I don't have to submit to him. I don't have to yield to him. I don't have to yield to him. You need to understand deep within there are other things that are happening. As soon as Satan said that, he was brought down. And as soon as man entered into the same phase, they were cast out. And it is built 
in us. Truth about all of us, irrespective of age, maturity, all of us is deep inside. We all want our way. And giving into someone else is seen as weakness. Seen as weakness. In Romans 8, 7, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God, nor can it do so. It cannot. Not only it won't, it cannot. The carnal mind is hostile to God's law. Everything the word is being preached, the word is being preached for the purpose that we will submit to the truth of God, to the word of God, therefore the person of God. When the Holy Spirit leads us to the truth, he expects us to yield to the truth. But there is another problem. The Holy Spirit leads me to the truth through the preaching ministry of mortal men. So suddenly the problem comes, pride rears his head, submitting to God's word would seem like submitting to another person. Because submission puts us in a place of obedience. We have to understand this. In James chapter 7, verse 6 and 7, scripture says, But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you submit to God? By submitting to his word and to his spirit. It's not just word and his spirit. There is another side of this. You have to read verse 7 carefully. What is the other interpretation? The other interpretation is this. When I submit to God's word through the spirit, God is with me. When I resist God and his word and his spirit, the devil is with me. If I submit to God, then God is with me. His Holy Spirit is with me. He gives grace. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. When I resist God, the devil is with me. That's our issue because we try to read scripture through the eyes of the world. The kingdom of God is completely inverted compared to this world. That is why God says stay away from the world. Only in the kingdom, I'll tell you inversion, only in the kingdom, by giving you can have more. In the world, by keeping you have more. In the kingdom, by giving you have more. Only in the kingdoms, when you are weak, you are strong. Only in the kingdom, when you are emptied, you are filled. Only in the kingdom, First Peter 5, 6, by submission, you are exalted. Only by submission, you are exalted. God says, in my kingdom, nobody has been exalted who has not submitted. In the world, it's the other way. Push your way through. Break down every opposition. Push your way through. Make yourself known. That is what selfies is all about. But God says, in the kingdom, it is the other way. You are exalted only through submission. He says, my son, 
humbled himself humbled himself humbled himself made himself form of a servant and to the point obedient unto death that to the words death in his time death on a cross and what did god do exalted him exalted him and exalted him to the highest place and said all power rule and authority is with you why because he submitted to the lowest god raised him to the highest that's how the holy spirit works the holy spirit is will not be able to function in our lives if you resist the truth problem is when we resist the truth we don't realize we have resisted the truth but the symptoms are there we get offended we get depressed we get discouraged we start compromising we start complaining we start murmuring we start accusing and all this happens is because we resisted the truth and we did not have the power of the holy spirit to bear the truth so you will see the same disciples who ran away when jesus was arrested those who had gathered in fear behind closed doors when they thought he was still dead were the ones who stepped out into the public square fearlessly not because truth had changed truth hadn't changed in 3 days truth did not change truth was still the same what had happened was power was given to bear the truth when power came down on the day of pentecost they stepped forward and declared the same person he had never changed he was the same yesterday today and for ever the holy spirit will first lead us to the truth and if we keep on yielding to the truth he will keep on leading us further and further into the truth and jesus doesn't lie one old bishop in ancient days once remarked a bishop okay everywhere i go they serve me tea everywhere paul went there was a riot is there something wrong with me he says everywhere i go they serve me tea everywhere the apostles went they were beaten up what is wrong here what is wrong here have you compromised on the truth in the marketplace that the gospel is no longer offensive to the carnal man so god has always spoken the truth he never minced on the truth what is true jesus said there will be wars and rumors of war there will be pestilences earthquakes and famines there will be more and more violence the love of many will grow cold families will betray each other and even will be ripped apart so jesus actually said see i have foretold you all these things question is can we bear the truth the holy spirit brings personal and corporate that is why if the risen savior's first command in mark chapter 16 verse 15 is go into the whole world and preach the gospel his second command and the final command is wait in jerusalem until you have received power otherwise you will not be able to bear the weight of the gospel you will not be able to under the pressure you will start compromising and changing the message and changing the truth the problem is truth alone can save you and set you free nothing else can 
if you got a terrible disease and you're running a high fever, you go to the doctor, the doctor gives you paracetamol and says, take twice a day. You take it, your fever is gone. And you feel good. Has the disease gone? It hasn't gone. Only the true gospel can save somebody. The gospel is offensive to the carnal ears. That's why God said, wait in Jerusalem until you have received power. The Holy Spirit not only leads us to all truth, He also gives us the power to be the vessels that bear the truth. That is the incredible message we see in the book of Acts. James and Peter and John beaten up are rejoicing. Stephen about to be executed, they see his face is glowing like an angel. Peter supposedly the day before his execution is so fast asleep in peace. Paul and Silas are singing in the Philippi prison, broken and beaten. Why? Because they have the power now to bear the gospel. Do we have? It is freely available. That's why God said, receive and keep receiving. Problem is, often the individual and the church forgets what to be saved in an unsaved world means. What to be a light in a dark world means. What to be a follower of Christ truly means. We forget. That is why Jesus said the Holy Spirit will also do one thing. In John chapter 14 and verse 26, He will bring you remembrance all the things that I have said. So don't worry. You have been studying and hearing the word for six years, seven years, eight years. The day you are filled with the Holy Spirit, He will bring into your remembrance. This is what you was meant. He will bring it to your remembrance. He is not only teachers, He is also your memory bank. It's your memory bank. He brings to your remembrance. Because our memory is a strange thing. It plays tricks with us. That's the difference you see between the old Israel and the new spiritual Israel in the new covenant. You see, the Israel that came out of Egypt, when they were in Egypt and they were going through all this suffering, like I keep telling in the church, I get two kinds of calls as a pastor. One, pastor, my marriage is not taking place. Second one, pastor, how can I get out of my marriage? But when they are eating all the taskmasters, the whips and making bricks with straw, without straw, the pain, they cried out, Lord, rescue me, rescue me. God sent a savior, took them out. Few days, weeks into the wilderness, memory started playing tricks. Now the wilderness journey is a little hard. And we only get to eat, drink this water and this manna. Oh, Egypt was so good. So good. Remember the leeks, the cucumbers, the fish we ate so freely. I told this before also, you have to see in your mind how your memory, if you look at it in your memory, in the Nile coast, the Israelites are all lounging on those chairs and the Egyptians are serving them fish and leeks and cucumbers. Really? Is that what happened? 
Really that happened? Do you forgot the slavery? Same thing, the trick the devil plays with us. Do you remember the slavery of sin before you found Christ? Now we start saying, it was better when it was in the world. Become very nostalgic. That is why we need the Holy Spirit to bring us to the remembrance. To our remembrance. Oh yeah, you're feeling very nostalgic for the world. Let me tell you. Let me bring to your remembrance what my son Jesus said. If you are in the world, you are already under judgment. Let me tell you the end of the world. If you had remained there, where you have ended. Like I said, simple illustration. A big ship, think the world has a big ship in the middle of the ocean which has sprung a hole, water is getting in. To die, what is? what do you have to do? Nothing. Just stay in the ship. You will die ultimately. To die and go to hell, what do you need to do? Nothing. Stay in the world. Nothing. You don't have to do anything. One lifeline alone is let down from heaven. What is that? Believe in the name of Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Nothing else. You leave yourself Sit there in the world, enjoy life in the world, ultimately you will sink. Because the world already has been judged, sentence will be passed very soon. So Christians don't get fooled by slogans of governments because they already know what is coming. So don't try to be nostalgic and say no, better days are coming, no, tougher days are coming but more power is promised. Tougher days are coming in 2017. It's going to, going to be easier for individuals, families or churches. Tougher days. It will only get tougher and tougher and tougher because he said so. He said if he did not shorten the days for the sake of the elect, even the elect themselves would not be saved. He shortened the days. But he says you don't have to worry. I can give you power, my spirit without measure if you are willing to yield and submit to the truth and to my spirit. That's what we forget. We act like the children of Israel. But we forget the new covenant apostolic church was not like that. Listen to the beloved apostle. Years and years later, hounded and persecuted. Look look to what he actually says in Philippians chapter 3, 7 and 8. What things were gained to me, where? In the world, I have counted loss for what? Christ. You cannot count or count and rejoice in a loss in anything except for Christ. That is why when people sacrifice something for a family or a ministry or even for the church, they do not have joy because it is not for Christ. Because it is not for Christ, the Holy Spirit is not able to give you the corresponding peace and joy. Because he only exalts Christ. He doesn't exalt churches. It doesn't exalt ministries. It does not exalt families. It doesn't exalt fat people. Only Christ. He didn't say, I counted it all lost for this incredible ministry God has given to me. I am traveling all over Asia Minor and Europe. No, he's not saying that. He says, for Christ. For Christ. Indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them Rubbish. Rubbish. This is that. Rubbish. While the Israelites are thinking about Egypt and talking about leeks and garlic and fish and meat, this man is saying, everything I lost is like 
garbage for me in comparison to what I have received. It is the person of Christ. Why is he able to say that? Because he had explained the actual work of the Holy Spirit in his letter to the Romans. In Romans 2, 28 and 29, he said, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Because he will say in the previous verse in Philippians, who am I? Pharisee among Pharisees, Hebrew among Hebrews, from the tribe of Benjamin, all that. But he says, you know what? Then I was not a true Jew. I was a false Jew. Because he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcised. Circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter. He says, do you know what the Holy Spirit does? What he does is he cuts away the flesh in your heart, the world in your heart. He circumcises your heart. Therefore, you don't consider any loss in the world of any value. Because he's cut it away. He's cut it away. That's what he's talking about. He says, I'm a true Jew now. And he says, every believer is a true Jew if they allow the Holy Spirit to circumcise their hearts. The false Jews where they had outward circumcision. True Jews who have inward circumcision. And you know that famous passage in Philippians 3. How does it begin in 3.3? 3? He says, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. We are the circumcision. All who is opposing him, the Pharisees, the Levites, the Jews are talking. We are the circumcision. He says, no, we are the circumcision. In the spirit. Because we worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ and we have no confidence in the flesh. Because we have our entire dependence is upon the spirit of God. That is what Jesus had told. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well? A day is coming and it is here. What will happen? True worshippers will come who will worship God in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth, the Holy Spirit will come. He will lead you to the truth. When you yield to the truth, you'll be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. And he says, we are that. Are we? In truth and spirit. That is what we don't understand. That our entire lives should be defined by worship. And by worship, I'm not talking about the songs. Okay. Man was created to worship God. And the devil is the enemy of true worshippers. Yet, that is what God has been doing through the Holy Spirit for the past 2000 years of church history. Creating a group of true worshippers who count everything in this world laws as rubbish because they have gained Christ. The problem is, if you sacrifice the world, like Israelites, Egypt, but you did not gain Christ, you will be miserable. The one who actually lost everything in Egypt is who? Moses. He lost actually leaks. He could tell, what are you guys talking about? I actually used to sit in that chair and they used to bring me all this. I was prince of Egypt. But I was willing to lose this all for what? The reproach of Christ. I lost it for Christ. And Christ was with me from the beginning till the end. Even at my death point, it is he who took me up the mountain, showed me the promised land, and then buried me and took over me on the other side. I did it for Christ. So I did not ever consider even the loss of the throne of Egypt as loss. It was rubbish. 
That is why if we haven't gained Christ, every sacrifice we make will make us miserable. Because this is a marriage. This is a marriage. Every sacrifice a woman makes in a marriage or a man makes in a marriage, if he or she doesn't get the loyalty, love and preeminence in his partner's life, he will consider it burdensome. But if there is love and preeminence of the other person, then he says, you know what? That sacrifice means nothing. We don't love Christ. We haven't gained Christ through this year. Then everything becomes burdensome. And it cannot be burdensome. Why Jesus said, my commandments are not burdensome. He said they are not. They are not burdensome. He said it is so. Which is true? You or he? Me or he? He says my commandments are not burdensome. Then why is life so burdensome? It's simply because the spirit is missing. The spirit is missing. That is why Worship. Jesus said, true worshippers will arise. Our life is defined by worship. Our relationship one another in the physical is our relationship with God is defined as worship. Our relationship with one another is called fellowship. Our relationship with God is called worship. Let me ask you this simple question. How many of you would really spend the amount of time you would like to spend with God or you spend with God if you didn't have problems in your life? So you're problematic Christians. Honestly, check. It is only problems that is driving us to God, not a relationship. It's children who write for pocket money. Please, I have no money. They also have a relationship. Okay? That's where we need to understand. Is our worship defining our life? Did worship define my life in 2016? If it was so, it didn't matter what we lost if we gained Christ. Remember the first time the word worship is used in the Bible. First time. An old man with his son of his old age going up Mount Moriah tells his servants, stay aside. I and my son will go up the mountain and worship God. What is he going to do there? To sacrifice his son. And he says, for me. That is worship. Why? Because I love my God with all my heart, all my mind, all my strength. And if he wants my son, I'm willing to give him. That's worship. That's worship. We are not. We have in worship. And the Holy Spirit is raising true worshippers who are never counting the cost of worshipping God. Nothing is too less, O Lord, for you. Because you did not count the cost of redeeming me. That is why the exhortation of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul in Romans 12 and verse 1. Therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Every day, offer it. Don't complain, offer it. Yet we are still fighting over the body. What to eat, what to drink, what to wear. What to eat, 
what to drink, what to eat. Didn't Jesus say that in Matthew 6, 32 and 33? After all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. What do the Gentiles seek in verse 31? What to eat? What to drink? What to wear? Now, when they sought these things, Jesus speaking, they were poor people. They were worried about lack. What will we eat? We don't know. Next meal is going to come from. What will we drink? We don't even know whether there is enough water. What do we wear? We have only this dress. Our problem is not that. I don't know what to eat today. (laughs) So many on the menu. I don't know what to drink. I don't know. I walk in the supermarket. It's in cans, cartons, bottles. I don't know what to wear. Totally confused. I open it up. Though it is from one end to the other, I feel I have nothing. And we are still fighting with the first principle of worship. What is that? Offer your bodies. I'm telling you, every gift I get is white. Because the news has gone, I wear white. That's why I'm wearing to break that news. Now I have got so many whites, I also get confused. Which this shade of white suit with me or the other shade? <laughs> when there were only three or four whites, that confusion wasn't there. Now there are many shades of white. What to wear? What to eat? What to drink? Instead of true worshippers... The church, because it leaves the truth behind, churns out Gentile worshippers. The church is turning out who? Gentile worshippers because now the pulpit has to be turned around and the message has to be what will you eat, what will you drink, what is what you can dress. It is not about the freedom that consecration and sacrifice brings to the Holy Spirit. It is about the liberty you have to do anything. I confused it completely. Because the world calls it, there is no absolute truth. Therefore, that liberty where there is no absolute truth is what they bring. And they will glorify all these people who in their Agendas in their lives denied the absolute truth of God. Like yesterday. What was there in every news channel? Who died? See, everybody knows. Fox, CNN, BBC, NBC, CNBC, everybody. Who died? George Michael died. But did you know he was gay? And he was living with his third gay partner who said, I will miss him forever. But we put it upon all the frames. See, he's the ideal. Man who walked in denial of truth and of God's truth and never showed repentance. That's the idols. And the church also, wow, George Michael is dead. I enjoyed his music. Christmas time. Isn't he the one who sang last Christmas? I gave you my heart. Wasn't he? Yes. We were going in the car, we had a Christmas CD in, and towards the end, this song came, and I asked her, where did this song come in the Christmas carol? And he didn't know he had died. That is what happens. Absolutes are lost. The truth is lost. Then we start generating pagan worshippers in the house of the living God. 
who worship things which they think brings liberty. Remember, this is what happened with Israel in the desert. When Moses was out of sight, true worshiper, in the presence of God for 40 days, truth was suddenly replaced in the camp with what? A golden calf. They were also worshippers. Know what they said in Exodus 32, 6 and 7? They rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. He didn't say, they didn't corrupt me. Your worship doesn't change who I am. Your worship will change who you are. who you are. Change who you are. It doesn't change God. Our worship doesn't change God. He's forever the same, holy, righteous, pure. But our worship will change who we are. We ultimately become like what we worship. Rambar, that's why worship has to define who we are. The apostolic church realized they could do nothing without the Holy Spirit. Even for the waiting at the table for taking care of widows and orphans in the early church. They also had that ministry of taking care of orphans and widows in the early church. And we were saying, how did all these widows come from? You know how the widows came from and the orphans came from? Because I believe because of the men who left. Left them. Because of faith. Listen to what they said to the church. What the apostles are saying to the church. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. For what? To serve the orphans and the widows. If this is the condition set today for ministry, how many can join? Honestly. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Full of Holy Spirit and wisdom. So that they can wait on the tables. Did we even see the necessity of the Spirit of God? Even to do these things? Can we? Why? He says, so we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Can you even get pastors to separate themselves just for the word and prayer and nothing else? You can't. To get a pastor down to sit down for three hours and work on the word is very difficult. You can't. The apostle said, you know what? The Holy Spirit which has filled us is telling us be separated unto the word and the prayer because that is the best you can give to my people. And he's telling them, but there is another need in the church for that. Pick up people who are full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Did we ever see the kingdom of God like that? That's what it brings us to. If you study the, the work of the Holy Spirit, first he tells us to turn back. Second, he starts teaching us all things, leading us to the truth. Then he gives us the power to bear, or he gives us the power simultaneously or before, to bear all things. Then he brings to our remembrance all that Christ has taught. And then he gives us a supernatural prayer life. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have 
asked of him. Why is that we do not have this confidence? Everybody prays. There's no church that doesn't pray. No individual Christian, at least semi-believing, who doesn't pray. But do we have this confidence? Because this confidence can come only when the Holy Spirit is involved in our prayer. Paul tells very clearly in the letter to Romans in Romans 8, 26 and 27, Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's our problem. You know, those who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit have other tongues. What they do is that with their mind, they ask God for one thing. With tongues, the Spirit cancels it out. So you say, I asked for this, I got this. God said, I gave it because my Spirit prayed for you according to my will for you. And you were never in tune with the Spirit. He canceled it out. Holy Spirit will never pray outside the will of God. Never. It's good to allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us. Therefore Paul will say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Why has God made our understanding unfruitful? Because he knows that if he understood it, we wouldn't pray that. Imagine Tabitha praying. Tabitha isn't here, no? She's here? Okay. Tabitha praying. Lord, please, Lord, in Calcutta there is Amartya, give him to me, give him to me, give him to me. Then she starts praying in tongues and God says, Father, give her Roshan, 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 Roshan. And finally she says, Roshan is coming to my life. How did this happen? God said, according to my will, I prayed for you. Sabage smiling. I'm not using you. Okay, Sabage. <laughs> okay. Everybody gets. If you pray, allow the Holy Spirit to pray, your understanding may be unfruitful. That doesn't mean your spirit is not fruitful. The spirit is not fruitful. In verse 15, scripture says, he says, yes, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with understanding. And then how does he conclude about himself? In verse 18 he says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than any one of you. Because I pray in the spirit all the time so that his will is done in my life, not what I want to happen in my life, even in my ministry. No Lord, it's your will because it's your kingdom. If you want that confidence that John is talking about, you have this confidence and God says it only comes through the Holy Spirit. Outside the Holy Spirit, you cannot have that confidence. You cannot have. Because only the Holy Spirit can pray through us according to the will of God. So you understand. We can have the word. We have exalted the word over the years. But if you do not allow the Holy Spirit free reign and yield to the Spirit, God said it still will not work. God said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the, but for the light to shine, it needs a power source. And the power source is the Holy Spirit. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive what? First he said, go, be the light of the world. But he said, wait. 
have to receive the Holy Spirit. When he comes, what happens? You will receive power. Without the Holy Spirit, we will never be light. That is why scripture tells very, very carefully, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The devil knows this. He knows this. The devil understands the Holy Spirit better than all of us. Because he was there in the beginning. He knows. Listen to what scripture says about in James. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes what? Enemy of God. Why? Or do you think scripture says without reason, the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely. Envies intensely. Do you know? God says to Israel, I am a jealous God. I have saved you for myself. The Holy Spirit says the same thing. I have saved you for myself. I did not save you for anybody. I did not save you for the world. So the devil uses the world to draw us and trap us. Honestly, look at all our minds. If you have the preacher telling you good things about the world, you will go very happy. This is what God wants for you, brother. I see. I see you're getting a better job next year. Going a better job, more money. I think you can afford more things. You'll feel, hallelujah, the Lord spoke to me. He spoke to me. I'm feeling so comforted and encouraged. What did God speak to you? Did he say? This is what God speaks? What did he say? Through John, love not the world or the things. One of the things I decided is a, is a fruitless decision because you don't get to go back into your mother's womb like Nicodemus said and come back again. It's not possible. What I said, Lord, if I had a chance all over again, I would have an empty house with hardly any things. Because when children break things, we get upset. Why? Because things were broken. I told you the story about that young smart spiritual man who bought a new car. What did he do the first day? He took a hammer, went out and smashed the bonnet, sides, everything. Then he drove peacefully. Now if somebody touches, somebody dents, somebody scratches, I'm not going to lose my temper over it. I've already destroyed that thing. Now I will drive slowly. These are people who understood what it means to love the world. It is not just the love of things. You bought a new dress because you loved it and you thought, I will look good in that thing. That thing, okay? I will look good in that thing. Then you wore it and you went to office. Nobody gave you a second look. Now you are really upset. Why? Because nobody complimented you on that thing. (laughs) So many things. Martha could have been just being happy. Lord, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. I've got this opportunity to cook and serve Jesus. This should be the greatest joyous cooking in joy and then serving in joy. Instead, she's upset. Why? 
Because the other sister is getting all the attention. What is that thing doing there? Who? That thing. Lord, you are also appreciating her. Don't you see my situation? She said, Martha, Martha. You are troubled over many things. That's why God said, don't love these things. Mary has done, chosen something that is wise. What is it? She understood. She is sitting at my feet. She knows who I am. Martha, even if there is no food in the house, Mary knows I can multiply bread and fish. I don't need you to. I need you to sit at my feet first. She knows. She understood. That is our issue. Powerless Christians are powerless because they have been compromised by the world. Yet, they try to serve the living God. It's a terrible thing. Terrible thing. We want to serve God because we have heard all this. But how can you serve God without the power of God? We cannot. That's why God said, don't grieve my spirit. Don't quench my spirit. Don't quench my spirit. There are so many examples in the Bible. From the old to the new. Everywhere, anything happened, the spirit moved. Want to come to the truth? About one physical symbol in the world. Outwardly looking, he seems to be the most anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Who is that? Samson. Was Samson careful about the people he chose to be close to? No. First he looked for a wife among the Philistines. Then he went to a Philistine prostitute in Gaza. Then he fell in love with Delilah, a Philistine. Was he careful? No. If you are called to bring deliverance to Israel, why are you friends with Philistines? The same question God asks, if I have anointed you to bring deliverance in this world, why are you so friendly with the world and the worldly? Yet you need to realize, his believing parents never knew 90% 90% of the things this kosher eating Jew was doing. In the same way, when we start moving away, you will always see our Christian fellowship people hardly knows what we are doing over there. What's happening in their lives? And God says, you grieve the Holy Spirit by the company you keep. Because he envies in we grieve the Holy Spirit through compromise. As a Nazarite, Samson was not. These are examples, okay? How you draw out the meat, okay? It's the letter and the spirit. As a Nazarite, Samson was not allowed to touch anything that was dead. Anything that was dead. Yet he killed 30 Philistines one time and then stripped the clothes of their dead bodies. For a Philistine girl. He used the jawbone of a dead donkey to kill his enemies. And one day he killed a lion and later when he came back he found there was honey in the dead lion. And he took that honey and he ate it. Did he compromise? We do compromise. And when we compromise, we grieve this spirit who envies intensely. And we are miserable. 
We are miserable unlike the world because we have knowledge of the truth. We have knowledge of the truth. It's like they say, if you have tasted honey, nothing tastes as sweet. You'll always compare it with honey. You have experienced salvation. You know God is good. But when you compromise and you go back to the world, nothing tastes the same again. You're miserable. Because the spirit inside makes you miserable. And the problem is, once we have chosen wrong company with the world and compromised with the world, we lose the most dangerous thing which the Holy Spirit gives. We lose the discernment which only the Holy Spirit can give. Samson lost his spiritual discernment. Not once, not twice, not thrice. Four times Delilah told him very clearly, tell me the secret of your strength. Tied him up and told him, the Philistines are here. All time he agreed. What happened? She was very clear. I want him. I want to know the secret of your strength and hand you over to the Philistine. But he had no discernment. Why? Because the spirit has left him. He's left with the gift, but the person has gone. The person has gone. Don't be satisfied with the gift. See that you don't grieve the person. When the person is gone, we lose discernment. Learn from Samson what it is not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because we lose it. The Holy Spirit presence is lost when we forget God alone is the source of our strength. So stay close to God in word and prayer. That's what the apostles are saying. You know, if Anybody could have said, yeah, we can wait on the tables. After all, we know the word. We can go tomorrow and preach. It's no big deal. We can do it. But they said, no. No, no way. We need to stay close to God in word and in prayer. Spiritual power or presence is lost when we have worldly relationship. So stay close to godly relationships. Spiritual power is lost or his presence is lost by disobedience to the word of God. That alone can sanctify us. So take, stay close and obey the word and allow the word and the spirit to sanctify us this coming year. And the greatest danger, spiritual presence is lost when we lose our discernment. That is the greatest danger as the day approaches. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 36, he says, I will come, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. He says, nobody knows. This day is coming. In Acts chapter 1, 7, he says, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Yet see what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. But concerning times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. I don't have to write to you about seasons and times. Why? For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. What does he say subsequently in the same chapter? But you brethren are not in darkness so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. You should have absolutely no worry about the day of the Lord or his coming like the thief in the night because you are sons of light. If you lose your discernment, you will have fear. You will have no clue. When he is coming, you will have no clue. The Holy Spirit always shows his children when the end is coming. If you are walking in the light and you have engraved him.
Listen to Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. Oh no, 2 Timothy 4, 6. Not 1, 2 Timothy 4, 6. I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at how did he know? How many times he was arrested? How many times he was taken for trial? But how did he know? This is the last trial. After this I am going to be executed. How did he know? Because he's a son of the light and the Lord is telling him your day is close. It's here. Paul, it's here. Day is close. You will know. Second Peter chapter 1, 13 and 14. You, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. Yes, as long as, very shortly. One says departure, arrival, upper departure. Another one says, I am putting away this tent. How much we worry about our tent. Remember? These people are not even bothered. I am putting away this tent. A time has come just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Since that day should not approach us. Why? When does it scare us? When do we get unprepared? We get caught unprepared because we lose discernment. We lose our discernment because we have lost our consecration. Consecration. We lose our consecration. He had worldly relationships, worldly choices, and then he makes terrible. He loses his discernment completely. And what was the devil after? Devil was after to tell him, what is the source of your strength? What is the source of our strength? The Holy Spirit. But how does the Holy Spirit stay? He stays with consecrated people who are set apart for him. What did he finally tell Delilah? But the source of my strength is my hair. From the day I was born, a razor has not touched my hair. And she got it. And she called the, put him to sleep on her lap. Called them. What did she do? Get them to shave what? Seven braids of hair. His whole hair was braided into how many locks? Seven. Perfect consecration outwardly. Once consecration is gone, spirit is gone. Next thing you see, he's blind in chains, grinding at the Philistines' mill. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is gone. God says, even my children, if you lose your consecration, if you lose my presence of my Holy Spirit, you will end up grinding the mill, working for this world. And he says, that is not your call. That was not what we are meant to be in 2017, in the next three days. Set things right before God and say, Lord, I need you. Without you, I cannot do anything. Yet with you, I can do all things. When death doesn't scare me, nothing, nothing scares us. That's why Holy Spirit is not theology, it's a person. That's why God says, don't grieve him, don't quench him. Listen to him. Yield to him. Let him lead you. Walk in the spirit. Be led by the spirit. Be continuously be filled with the spirit. Ultimately, live in the spirit. At each stage, let it grow. So let 2017 be a year of the spirit in our lives. And take it seriously. Because 
like dear dear moody made his consecration when in a simple semi literate young man dear moody in a public meeting heard a preacher say what did he hear the preacher say the world has not yet seen what god can do with a man who is fully surrendered to god that's what the preacher said and that night he said lord with your grace of oh god i will be that man and that's what god did through him for us shook the whole land up because he said i will be that man who will be absolutely yielded to your spirit that's why i tell young people and we don't change the gospel even for the young ones from the beginning of history god has only used individuals not crowds one individual here one individual there was absolutely consecrated and says lord use my body as a vessel for your spirit let it flow let it flow whether it was a joseph whether it was a david whether it was a daniel whether it was the apostles and our enemy not our friend our enemy is the world and the things of the world and if we continue loving the world we become enemies of god it's not neutral in the spiritual realm there is no neutral territory it's either friend of god or enemy of god it's no neutral territory god doesn't play dice he doesn't play games it's a war up there in the spiritual realm so take it seriously and say lord this year the remaining 3 year days i want to really empty myself consecrate spirit of god show me what i need to put right in my life what more is holding me back from consecration what is that i love that you hate what is that i love and holding on to that you hate that's what god is talking about remember so close paul will talk about in ephesians 5 all about marriage 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 and he says wives submit your husband in all things as unto the lord and husbands love your wives as christ jesus loved the church and through the washing of the word he will make her blameless spotless pure and holy and suddenly he ends up the whole letter by saying that by the way i was not talking about a marriage i was talking about christ and the church it's a mystery he says the church that submits to her husband christ jesus in all things will be automatically washed and made blameless and spotless for the day of his appearance that's what he was saying he said i'm not talking about marriage i'm talking about the church and christ but the first thing he asked the church is submit to your husband christ jesus in all things don't hold anything back that's why the epistles are written by one man more than all the others who was that man but why what is his first question once he knows who are you jesus of nazareth what is his response what will you have me do never looked back from that day never looked back what will you have me do god said it will be told to you now one instruction go to the city and wait there three days later he receives the holy spirit and scripture says he went in and started straight away preaching christ preaching christ he's still looking for men and women who will bend their knee and say lord here i am take me and i'm telling you this country can be turned upside down you don't need too many as jonathan said on that day god can say with few or many
said, I see everybody. My father sitting under the tree. 600 men sitting under the tree. I cannot sit under the tree when the Philistines are taking the land. God can save with few or many. And he asked his armor bearer, will you come with me? And he says, yes, Lord, I will come with you. And he went up the cliff with a sword in his mouth climbing. And scripture says, God shook the whole place. Because one man said, I cannot sit like this. But the land is being taken over by the enemy. And we need to rise. We need to rise and say, Lord, I can't do this. I see that. I have this hunger. I have this thirst, but I cannot do this. I need your spirit for that, Lord. But I am here. Fill me and use me. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, this evening, this last time we are gathering in this place, we just thank you. We just praise you. Worship you for your faithfulness. Awesome God. Wonderful God. Thank you. Thank you for bringing us How you brought us from the beginning of the year till today. You brought us, Lord. Many, many were the plans of the wicked one to destroy us. But you brought us through it all. And you kept us through it all. It was your doing, Lord. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We just want to glorify you today, Father. We just want to glorify you, Lord Jesus. We just want to glorify you, Spirit of God. We neglected you so much in our lives. But today, Lord, Spirit of God, we want to give you your rightful place in our lives. Come and be enthroned, Spirit of God. Move in us, move among us. Turn us upside down. Take us away from our comfort zones. Move us into places where you require men and women to stand. In our offices, in our schools, in our colleges, everywhere. Let young men and old men, young women and old women, let everyone stand up filled with the Spirit of God. Simple people. Not those who came from Bible college. Simple people like Peter. Men of Judea, onlookers, listen to me. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. As the one who waited on the table, Stephen stood before the Sanhedrin and says, Fathers, listen to me. Simple people who will be able to stand before crowds and tell them, listen, this is the God of Israel, the one and only living one. Anoint us, fill us, let it overflow. Touch everyone today, everyone. Meet them at their point of need. People run helter-skelter for help without knowing. The helper has already been sent 2,000 years ago. He said, when the helper comes, he will teach you all things. He will lead you to the truth and the truth will set us free. Help us to yield to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God and set free to serve the living God. Thank you, Father. You brought us safely into your house. Reach us back home safely, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.